If Washington wants to get right with voters, it has to start listening to them. Welcome to Beyond the Bubble. I'm Alex Rorty, a national political correspondent covering Democrats for McClatchy. And I'm Andrea Dresch, reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram covering politics here in D.C. This week, we're diving into the half-truths and pants-on-fire lies that swirled around Washington in April. Andrea, who's going to help us break this down? We've got Lou Jacobson, senior correspondent for PolitiFact, and, like Alex and I, a National Journal alum. We're going to talk about equal pay for women, the trade deficit, and more. All right, you ready? Let's do it. January 20th, the day the people became the rulers of this nation again. Our ideals and fundamental values are being attacked. Do we retreat or do we fight? I say we fight. He heard those voices that were out there that other people weren't hearing, and he just earned a mandate. It is time for Democrats to grow a backbone and get out there and fight. The American people would like to try something new. We would like to see the country go in a different direction to change the course for America. He doesn't take this presidency seriously enough. So to all Americans, hear these words. You will never be ignored again. So we wanted to bring Lou on again because I know this might come as a shock to the listeners, but occasionally there are falsehoods that come out of Washington, maybe even outright lies. That's why we want to bring on someone from PolitiFact every month to help us break it down. Lou, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Our first fact check here comes from Wednesday, April 18th, President Donald Trump at a press conference who said the United States has a massive trade deficit with Japan. It's anywhere from $69 billion to $100 billion a year. You rated this, Lou, a half-truth. Tell us more. Yeah, well, he gave a range, and he was right on one end of the range, and for no apparent reason, just decided to expand it by about 50% on the high end of the range. So basically, uh, there, there are a few things to point out. One is that this is a Donald Trump tick. He always, or virtually always, as far as I can tell, talks about trade in goods and not trade in goods and services. Now, why does this matter? It matters because the U.S. has done poorly, relatively poorly, comparatively poorly, in trading goods, which are things that are built and manufactured. But it's done quite well, all things being equal, in services, which are things like entertainment, legal services, accounting services, things like that. Uh, Our trade deficit is smaller, or even our trade surpluses are are smaller, more modest, if you just look at goods. Um, If you add in services, we actually tend to improve those numbers, and our trade deficits are smaller, or our trade surpluses are bigger. If you look at the trade deficit with Japan, it's actually $57 billion if you do include services. We ended up giving them a half-true. What's the benefit to Trump of inflating a number like that? He sometimes calls it truthful hyperbole, which is uh, that it's it's sort of based in fact, but it's exaggerated and sort of puffed up. He has written about that in in at least one of his prior books. So that 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 is kind of a habit or a tick of his to to sort of give a fairly accurate number, but then say it's so it's it's that or it's more than that. Sounds like he wants people to take him seriously, but not literally is, <laughs> is what it sounds like. But you, Lou, at PolitiFact, you take him literally. You do our best. <laughs> so let's let's move on here. Uh, we're going to go on to something that Senator Tina Smith, the new senator, Democratic senator from Minnesota, said on April 10th. On average, American women only earn 80 cents for every dollar a man earns for doing the same job. 
Lou, you rated this mostly false. And tell us why, because this is something that gets talked about a lot in politics right now, this wage gap. Yeah, uh, not not only now, but this has been a consistent um, fact check that we've done over the years uh, since 2009. I, I can't tell you how many times I fact check this. And the number changes over time, but it's somewhere in the 80 cent per dollar uh, range. What that statistic is, is it's an average comparison between male workers and female workers. And it's not a direct comparison between a man doing job A and a woman doing job A. And that is the way that Tina Smith phrased it. Now, when we hear it stated correctly, which is that on average, women earn 80 cents for each dollar that a man earns, that uh, generally rates are mostly true for us. Uh, There are some caveats that are worth citing about that. But as long as it's said in a way that doesn't specifically say that it's comparing the same job, it it generally rates mostly true for us, unless there's some other problem with the statement. Um, But uh, if they say that a woman earns 87 cents uh, for every dollar a man makes in the same job, that's a problem, because that is not what the data actually shows. Surveys have shown um, that if you do compare the same job and the same level of experience and the same background, same skills, that it there's still a pay differential in the job, which is about seven cents, but it's not the sort of 13, 14 cents that you t- typically see. Um, so we gave this a mostly false. And to be fair, I should credit Senator Smith. Even before we could publish the fact check, we sent our concerns to the uh, press office and they passed it along to her. And she retweeted her tweet, correcting it and crediting us. So some, some, sometimes he can move City Hall. Does, does that usually happen, Lou? No. <laughs> Although, to be fair, it just happened once in a story that I haven't finished yet, but that's two in the space of about 10 days, which is unusual for us. All right. Our next check comes from a blog published April 14th with a headline said, British intelligence seizes Clinton Foundation warehouse $400 million in cash. Uh, you rated this one a pants on fire. This falls into the original and best, I think, definition of fake news, which is completely made up clickbait for people on the web to basically share and click and make uh, some some uh, dollars uh, on ads for, for the website owner. I was going to say, I think I missed a big story here <laughs> uh, if this were fake news. So in addition to the Clinton Foundation denying this story to us, we were able to track this one down to a uh, website that was begun by a guy named Christopher Blair, who sort of started a cottage industry in these fake news websites. And the way he described it as a quote, whimsical playland of conservative satire. So he actually posted uh, this on November 10th of last year uh, on a website that was called Reagan Was Right, which has been taken down now. On the original website, it had the satire declared on the about page. But in sort of a weird turnabout, um, now he uh, has seen his fake news taken by other fake news purveyors, stolen in its entirety, and then posted without any uh, notation that it's satire. Alex, you dug into this a little bit recently, but the author of this site said that it is a whimsical playland of conservative satire, and everything on this website is fiction. But uh, you also talk to folks about sort of how hard it is to put the toothpaste back in the bottle, even if things are labeled as fiction? You know, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a Democratic campaign in Illinois, um, the, the gubernatorial nominee there, actually, J.B. Pritzker, they paired up with this data science uh, firm to study this question about what happens to voters if they're exposed to fake news. And is there anything you can do then to try to correct that? 
And the findings were a little discouraging, actually. They found that you can't undo the damage, no matter really, even if you try to correct it with facts, which, Lou, I'm sorry, is a little, it must be a little I disappointing know. for I you. Know. Not that it isn't effective to some degree, but it, it, it does not undo the damage. Or even if you try to attack the source, I mean, they, they tested all kinds of things. I think maybe even more worrying is they found that the effect was greater, quite significantly greater for female candidates, that the damage was was worse for them. You know, we've We've talked a lot about fake news on on this show in the last month. I mean, how often do you see something like this uh, come come across that you find you have to fact check? It could really fill a whole other politifact, probably in terms of uh, work work uh, to be done out there. And uh, you know, my feeling on this uh, is pretty much the way that. Uh, We've structured uh, uh, our website's mission since the beginning uh, in 2007, which is that we are providing information for our readers, people who care about knowing the truth and like who want to know more about the candidates who, who they may vote for. Um, so we are speaking to an audience of people who do care. It doesn't mean that we're going to reach everybody because not not everybody cares. Um, and you know, we we sort of have to triage uh, um, how much we. Uh, can do. Um, if people don't want to pay attention to us, that's their right. Um, but we we essentially want to be there for the people um, who do want to find out more, more about politics and more about what is truthful. Okay. We're going to fact check the back of a Snapple cap. Um, some of you might know, some of you Snapple drinkers might know, the bottom of these caps there are quote-unquote real facts. Well, one of these real facts contended that there were only 18 minutes of total action in an average baseball game. Lou, someone brought this to your attention, apparently asked that you check it. You guys rated it mostly true. Tell us more. A guy who unfortunately died only a few weeks before we wrote our story had done a study um, basically using a stopwatch to look at one, three, three different games, actually it was. And he timed, you know, balls in play, time between batters, time between innings, time between pitches. He broke it down, which is a kind of nightmarishly difficult and tedious task. Uh, he did it for three full games and he averaged them out. He found that the average baseball fan will see 17 minutes and 58 seconds of action over the course of a three hour game. Uh, he further said, this is roughly the equivalent of a TED Talk, a Broadway intermission, or the missing section of the Watergate tapes. As tedious as that sounds, is three really a, a good sample size for the average length of a baseball game? That's what kept it from a full true. We gave it a mostly true because that's that's the best data that we could find. Um, really? And, no other baseball fan has timed this out? I feel like baseball fans are so into... <laughs> Andrew is making a good point here. I'm, I'm kind of shocked Bill James doesn't have, you know, like 3,000 words. No. None of this shocks me at all. I feel like every time I go to a baseball game, I watch very little baseball. It's mostly just standing in a beer line, right? <laughs> hey, Lou, that was fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks. It was great being here. Okay. Let's move on to our favorite part of the show, the lightning round. Andrea, you're up. All right. My lightning rod this week is Will Hurd, a Republican from Texas, one of the most vulnerable Republicans on the congressional map this cycle. He is considered on Capitol Hill to be the expert on the border. He's a former CIA operative, and he also represents 820 miles of the border, which is almost a third of the U.S. border with Mexico. He actually had GOP leaders in his district this month, a super PAC aligned with GOP leaders in his district, knocking on doors for him, telling people what a great bipartisan leader he is on border security issues. And yet in D.C., they've moved past this issue completely. His plan uh, is not likely to get a vote. He's now working with Democrats to try and force that to happen. 
Okay. Mine is an issue, not a person. It's the federal jobs guarantee. You ask, what is a federal jobs guarantee? Well, it's an issue whose moment has apparently arrived in the Democratic Party. There are two things you need to know about this. One, effectively, there are a lot of different kinds of plans for what it would entail, but basically it means spending a lot of money, as in hundreds of billions of dollars, to produce jobs for for people, particularly poorer people, and to guarantee them a basic wage and some kind of health benefits. That's a fairly radical idea. The second thing you need to know is it's an idea that is really gaining steam in the Democratic Party. Just in the last few weeks, Senators Kristen Gillibrand, Cory Booker, and Bernie Sanders have all signed off on some version of this. Those of you who are paying attention to 2020 Democratic presidential primary might notice, might just notice they're all three rumored to be running for president, then this is an issue that is already uh, taking a central place in the Democratic Party as it moves to the left, particularly on economic issues. Thank you to producer Jordan Marie Smith, and thank you, our listeners. We want to hear from you. So please send your questions and your comments to btb at mcclatchy.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash beyondthebubblepod. Tell us what you're seeing in your battleground states. We might even ask you to call into the show. And check us out on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use. We want to say thank you to everyone who's left us a review or a rating. Talk Talk to to you you next week. week.